and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. We hope today, as you listen to this week's content, that you grow in your faith and in your relationship with God. Connect more with us by going to ardmoresummit.church and remember to love God, love people, and love life. If you have your Bibles, open with me to the book of Mark. Open with me to the book of Mark, chapter number 14. We're starting a study um, looking at biblical worship. Pastor Dakota started that last week. If you go to that next slide, we're just talking about what does it mean to magnify the Lord? What does it mean to magnify the Lord? What is biblical worship? Pastor Dakota started that uh, series last week. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. Actually, I'm not sure that was Pastor Dakota preaching or not. He had a different voice. It sounded, sounded pretty good, though, uh, but uh, allergies will do that to you. But uh, if you didn't get an outline, scan the QR code. I have a lot of things that I want to say this morning for you to write down because this is an important message about biblical worship. I want my life to be an act of worship to God. Amen? I want to honor Him. I want to please Him. And I want to worship Him well. We spent a whole month talking about prayer and about what does it mean to be a prayer warrior, but I don't want to just be known as somebody who, who prays at home. I want to, I want to worship Him, and, and I, I want us to learn how, how to worship at our very best. So let's open our Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter number 14, and let's pick up in verse number 3. The Scripture will be up on the uh, screen, and, and let's start reading in verse number 3. This is talking about Jesus. says, And while He was at Bethany... In the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. Notice that. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? Verse 5. For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they, they being Jesus' followers, scolded her. Next slide. Before I go on, does this kind of sound familiar? Pastor Dakota preached a message last week about a very similar situation where another woman did almost point for point this very thing. Let's pick it up in verse number six. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Verse 9, And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Extravagant worship. This was an extravagant moment for this lady to do what she did. If you have your outlines, get ready because I have several things that I want you to write down. In fact, you can go to that next slide. John tells us in John chapter 12, verse 1 through 8, you can look it up uh, in your study this week, but he tells the same story, and this woman is identified as Mary. This is Mary, the sister of Martha, and, and he gives the same story but offers some additional details. Not only does she anoint his head, but she anoints his feet and in fact will wipe uh, the ointment with her hair. This is an odd act of worship. It's extravagant. It's not normal. 
It's a little bit out of the ordinary. This is something that anybody in that moment would look at this and say, this is extravagant. What makes it an extravagant act of worship? Number one is this. I want you to go to that next one. Write this down. Let's look at the context of the meal. While it might sound casual, this is right before Jesus goes to the cross. Very soon. Very soon before Jesus goes to the cross, he's with, he says he's in the house of a man named Simon the leper. Presumably, because of Old Testament law, this man would have had to have been healed or Jesus would not be in the presence of a leper. But he heals this leper and he's hanging out in his house. I don't know about you, but when I have a big event coming up or a big day coming up, I'm a little antsy, and it's hard for me to relax. What is Jesus doing? It says, literally, I'm not, I was going to put my foot up there. I ain't going to attempt that. He's reclining at the table. He is completely calm. But everybody else is a little bit on edge. Everybody else knows something's up. You remember Palm Sunday. Jerusalem knows that there's something about this guy named Jesus. His disciples know something's going on. Mary knows there's something going to go on too. And perhaps she's a little more aware of what that will be than the rest of the disciples. Number two is this, the close friend. This is Mary. There's several Marys in the Bible, but this is the Mary, the one who was a friend of Jesus. Isn't that cool that the Creator God has friends that He hung out with, Mary, Martha? In fact, one of His close friends, Lazarus, was, was dead, buried for four days in the tomb. The King James said he stinketh after four days, and he called his friend out of the grave. In John chapter 11, Martha is talking with Jesus. They have a theological discussion about the nature of resurrection in which he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live. Mary, the one who shows extravagant worship, when she shows up, Jesus is so touched by her friend that the Bible says he wept. Think about that. He knows that in just a moment, he's going to call him out of the grave. All's going to be well. But he saw his friend in a moment of absolute emotion, and he can't help but weep. This is a close friend. Mary sat at Jesus' feet. That may not sound like a big deal, but you understand that a disciple in those days was somebody who literally was trained at the feet. Pastor Dakota talked about the story of the woman who came and anointed the feet of Jesus. And Mary sat at the feet of Jesus in Luke chapter 10. Do you remember the story where Martha's in the kitchen making baked potatoes and chicken wings? And she's like, hey, 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 where's my sister? Do you remember the story? We've read the Bible a little bit? Okay, there we go. And she says, where's, where's, where's Mary? You see, in those times, the woman's place was to cook. Thank you, man. I'm so proud. Nobody said amen. So proud of my church. I was just going to leave it there and let it simmer for a second. <laughs> she says, where's Mary? She's at the feet of Jesus. 
the place where only the disciples belong. This is amazing that Jesus said, of course, Mary, sit right here at my feet. Paul says in, 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 Acts, uh, in, in Acts chapter 22, he says, I was, raised, I was raised up at the feet of Gamaliel, right? Jesus washes the feet. You see, in, 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 in biblical times, to, to enter into, to lower yourself and to be at the feet was an absolute sign of humility and submission. And Mary sat at Jesus' feet. That shows how close she was to Jesus. Not only does Jesus welcome the worship of a sinner, but even people who are close to him, he invites them in and says, continue to learn, continue to grow. That's extravagant worship, friends. Let's go to number three, the content of the jar, an alabaster jar. 300 denarii, it equals about to a year's worth of wages today. This was not a $20 bottle of Old Spice cologne. Nothing wrong with that, by the way, if you wear that. This was an heirloom. This was something that in those days people would keep in case of extreme need. That was her safety net. That was her source that if Lazarus was gone, she couldn't make an income, that would get her food. That would get her whatever she needed to get by. That was an important thing. And the Bible says that she, not only just little drizzle, little, little bit to, you know, kind of, oh yes, I can, I can faintly smell that. She broke it and emptied the entire contents. The content of the jar was a year's of wages. Average household in America is somewhere between forty, fifty thousand today. Imagine a moment where somebody just takes forty grand, drops it, and just lights it on fire. That's the weight of what I, that just caused my stomach to turn. I don't know about you, but but that's how big this was. Let's keep going. Let's look at the custom used. The custom used. The tradition used there is odd because John tells us that not only does she pour the oil on his head, which in Old Testament times is reminiscent of even a way of anointing that they would pour oil on the head. You remember Samuel anointing David. Uh, you remember the, the, the different times where oil was used to represent a covering and an anointing and a blessing. It says that not only that, but she poured it on his feet and she used her hair. Again, breaking of the custom here, a woman in those days did not unbind her hair in the presence of men. But she said, I'm going to take down my hair and I'm going to use this and I'm going to wash his feet. Some people, by the way, have tried to read more into this story about the relationship between Mary and Jesus and it's completely bogus. This was something that was sincere as an act of worship. Next, you still with me? Let's look at the cause of the anointing. Why? We understand that it's extravagant. We understand this is out of the box. Why? Jesus actually says why, doesn't he? She has done this for my burial. I don't know about you, but the disciples were pretty hopeful just a couple days before this. Jesus is coming to Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us now. Jesus is going to kick some Romans around. And then Jesus drops this bomb on them while he's just reclining at the table. 
No, she did this because uh, this is for my burial. This tells us this. Mary understands more clearly, perhaps, than the other disciples what Jesus' mission is all about. She understood. We don't know to what degree, but she did understand something. That this is for his burial. Nextly is, is, is this, the critical reaction. Nobody sitting in that room says, oh, this is, this is a beautiful moment. Nobody's taking selfies, Mary pouring it out. Nobody's tweeting, isn't this awesome? They're indignant. They're angry. They're upset. Not only does this seem like out of place, but it's too extravagant for their liking. Hear me today. Extravagant worship will always ruffle some feathers. When you are so devoted to God, whether you're a new sinner, like Dakota talked about last week, a harlot, somebody who has a past, or you're somebody who has been sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning and growing in Him, it will ruffle some feathers when you are that sold out to God. But I love the response. They didn't just say, hey, this, this is out of line. They said, we could have done something with the money. Isn't that typical ministers? Man, we could have used that money to, in the Bible, it says, for the poor. John tells us that Judas was the one who said it out loud. What a waste. That's what he said, literally. What a waste. That could have been sold and given to the poor. And then John tells us, but secretly he wanted to pocket some of it himself. And then the last one is this, the correct response. The correct response is Jesus, what he says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. What she does is a beautiful thing. Sometimes we're a little bit too hesitant because we, we're counting the cost of like, man, that's going to take a lot of time to sit down and read the Word. That's going to take a lot of effort to really grow in the Lord. That's going to take a lot of fill in the blank to worship Him. If I want extravagant worship in my life, I want to magnify Him, I have to disregard the cost. It costs what it costs to get near Him. And if I have access to Him, like Mary did, I I can sit at his feet. Can you imagine if Jesus was sitting right here? Who wouldn't want to be close to him? Disregard the cost. Number two is this. Extravagant worship draws criticism. Extravagant worship draws criticism. I'm not talking just about the outward things, although that's certainly at play here. I'm talking about the heart of worship. Somebody who's completely devoted to Jesus and follow Him. Somebody who's completely uh, sold out to walking in the Spirit. Somebody who's pursuing the gifts of the Spirit. That will draw criticism. Amen? Number three is this. Extravagant worship deeply moves the Lord. Jesus says, she has done a beautiful thing. Notice this. Jesus doesn't talk like that very often. He doesn't just go around saying, that's beautiful, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. Everything's beautiful. But in that moment, he said, this is a beautiful thing. This is, John tells us, this is the one who Isaiah saw seated upon the throne. Hebrews tells us that through him, Jesus, all things were made through him and for him. He made the Grand Canyon. He, he made the stars. 
You talk about somebody who knows beauty, it's Jesus. You know what he saw as beautiful? Somebody completely sold out and worshiping him. That is what a living God looks at and says, that's beautiful. 80 people getting together in Ardmore, Oklahoma and worshiping him, that's beautiful. That's, that's what deeply moves the Lord. When you're driving in your car on the way to work, worship him. And I promise you that a God in heaven will say, I am moved by that. Thank you. I want it. I want that worship. Let me, let me tell you, that deeply moves him. Amen. Lastly is this, musicians, you can come. Extravagant worship directs us to the cross. Everything Mary did pointed that she knew to some degree Jesus was heading to the cross. When I think about what He's done for me, when I look at the cross, I'm moved by a sacrifice. I'm moved. We sang the song this morning, I've come to worship. Biblical worship, extravagant worship, always directs us to the cross. Friends, it's not about a musical style. It's not about the sounds. It's not about, about the song selection. It's about this. Does it point us to the cross of Christ? I want my life to be an arrow, a signpost pointing people to the cross. Right? I want every sermon, every time we get together, I want it to be a message saying, let's look at the cross. Because, friends, we have no message. We have no uh, anything else to share other than the good news of Jesus. That's why Jesus said, wherever this gospel, good news, is preached, she will be remembered. Can you imagine her in that moment? This is all about you, Jesus. And Jesus says, wherever the gospel is preached, this model of extravagant worship will be remembered. Because she in that moment understood he's going to the cross, This is for my burial, and it's pointing us to Jesus' amazing love. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Summit Church Podcast. We hope today you enjoyed the content and what God was speaking to you today. Again, we'd love to connect with you more by going to ardmoresummit.church. Join us Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. in Ardmore, Oklahoma at 1725 North Commerce Street. Take care and be blessed.